I'm Ankur. And I'm Phoebe. And this is Arts Work. We work at Sadler's Wells, a leading dance organisation. And this is a podcast where we look at different roles in the creative industries and how you could find your way in. So Phoebe, what's up? Who are we talking to? This week, we're talking to Morayo Shodipo, or Mo for short, and she works in marketing and communications at the Royal Exchange Theatre in Manchester. So it makes sense to do an episode on communications and marketing, right? Because organizations up and down the country, they all have these types of roles. But yeah. why, why Mo? Why Mo specifically? So exactly. We wanted to speak to someone who had a communications and a marketing background. But one of the types of things we really wanted to feature as part of this series was someone who had been in a totally different industry or totally different world and had made a transition into the world of creative arts. And Mo could not be a better example of that because she trained as a chemical engineer did that for five years after university and then had a really strategic plan about how she was then going to get into arts marketing. There is so much to be learned from this conversation and I can't wait for you to hear it because the way she went about it, she didn't just quit her job on the spot and decide that, you know, she wanted to just rethink everything. And of course, there is always that as an option. She had a dedicated plan. She essentially moonlighted in the kind of writing reviews and going from blogging to kind of getting to know the arts and cultural landscape in her local community. And then eventually that led to her being able to kind of secure a job. It's, it's fascinating. And it was such a joy to speak to her. So when I think of marketing and communications, I obviously bring it back to Sadler's Wells, right? And for us, we have a marketing and sales function where those people really think about building campaigns to sell tickets to specific shows, but also work on Sadler's Wells' overall brand and how people resonate with that. That could be advertising, that could be media, that could be any number of things. The communication side is storytelling. It's about making sure that you're using the tone of voice of the organization. It's about press. It's about social media. It's about all these other things. In the conversation that you have with Mo, which bits of that is she talking about or, or is she talking about all of it? She goes into all of it. After the world of chemical engineering, she then went more into the marketing aspects and more on the sales side. And now she is more in a broader comms role, but still liaising with the marketing team all the time. And in a lot of theatres or organisations, you'll find that there are plenty of examples where somebody is expected to do a little bit of everything or they have to kind of liaise or work across both. So it's really useful to get that kind of broader understanding. Also, for me, what's really interesting about these roles is, you know, a lot of people will come to a theater or to a museum or read the jacket on an old fashioned CD or, you know, now yeah. on iTunes, right? Somebody wrote that and was able to tell that story about that artist or that piece of work. Mm. And these are all communications and marketing people who are yeah. doing that work in really important creative ways. Mm. So Mo has always been a prolific writer and it really is her love of writing that has in the end, led to her working in the world that she's in now. And what I really loved about this conversation is that I think, you know, great communication can come in so many different forms. So if you're really good at verbalizing things, there's a job for you. Or if you're really good with the written word and you think really carefully about how to craft things, there is a job for you. So we start with Mo's love of storytelling and how that came from a really early age. And I grew up in Scotland until I was about nine. It was cold, I loved it, quite hilly, quite idyllic. And then I moved to Nigeria when I was nine. Um, I was in River State, so the city of Potakot, and that was very hot, quite different to where uh, Scotland was a nice little polar opposite thing going on there. And again, loved it, loved the food, loved the energy. It was, or is still, vibrant. I was a kid who was always living in her head. 
So my worlds were so huge, even though I might not necessarily be traveling um, too many places. I just, I loved stories. I loved watching films. That's what sort of took up most of my time. Uh, my parents did not like that. Um, they tried to use <laughs> cable as a way to make sure that I studied and got the grades I needed. And it worked because I was just like, there's no way I'm losing, you know, access to Sister Sister or, you know, Keenan and Cal. <laughs> Tia and Tamara, <laughs> exactly, if I remember it right. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, there was just no way. So that was a very good uh, incentive for me to you know, knuckle down. Tell us a little bit about your relationship, if any, to the creative arts from a, from a young age. I mean, you know, popular culture, TV mm. shows for sure, but beyond that. Again, loved films, loved watching TV. That is sort of like what really got me going, reading books. I was an avid reader. And then it got to a point where my mum, because she was working quite a bit, um, she would get me, my brother and my sister, to write down um, what happened in the day. And that is sort of like how I got, um, into writing and like wanting to write my own stories um, and I guess that is sort of like where it started and then when I got to about high school I started thinking okay yeah I definitely want to be a writer I think this is sort of like where I'm heading towards um, but then I was actually quite good in the sciences when I was in secondary school when you got to senior you had to uh, specialise you had to choose about eight subjects and I initially submitted subjects that were more favourable to the arts um, and that was rejected because they said I was a science student and I was very good at it so they allowed me to keep English literature and that is sort of like where I started to make my decisions of am I going towards the arts or am I going towards sciences. So how did you end up choosing to go with the chemical engineering degree? My dad is a chemical engineer so he was adamant that I shouldn't be a chemical engineer he wanted me to actually look at all the other different types of sort of like professions within the engineering realm and then I settled on chemical engineering because it felt like that was the one role that was at the centre of everything. You have to have a deep understanding of all the various professions in order for it to be correct because as we all know anything can go wrong and I liked it but yeah I did get feedback quite regularly that my reports were too flowery <laughs> and that's when I knew I was like I don't think I can ever write <laughs> in the way that you want me to I'm so sorry it's going to be too boring for me <laughs> to write it amazing so how long did you work in the chemical engineering world after you graduated so I was like a graduate process engineer and that was fun and then I finished my internship and got a job as a graduate corrosion engineer um, and I worked as a corrosion engineer for five years. So you've had a really interesting pathway from <laughs> five years in chemical engineering. At what point did you think, I'm no longer interested in thinking about corrosion every day? So my light bulb moment was probably after about, I think, two years, if not a year. And I was just thinking, if this is what I'm going to do for the rest of my life, I genuinely don't think that this is it. This is not what I had imagined. Because the thing was, it's not that I didn't love chemical engineering. It's not that I didn't enjoy it at all it just wasn't something that I was really passionate about I wasn't reading about things when I was at home I was blogging on the side and sort of seeping into that world of theatre and film and I was just like I think I'm more interested in this but it didn't really happen for me until three years 
later after that initial spark, I guess, I started to try and find out other ways I could really flex that muscle, I guess, in terms of like writing and play in that area whilst I was working because I was like, okay, it's not some, it's not like I have to switch now. Let's see what I could do. I didn't know that much about what it was I was trying to explore. And so I started going to more Q&A sessions at um, Home, which is like an independent cinema art gallery type space in Manchester. Um, We're throwing, I started uh, networking with local artists and local writers and sort of getting into writers rooms because I was like oh that's really cool um (laughs) and sort of like really trying to understand that part of it before I made my jump because I was just like I'm a chemical engineer I'm a corrosion engineer and I feel like I want to work in the arts but I've got no actual tangible experience doing that how can I make that jump and so that's what I spent the next three years doing um but I also made a pact with a with a friend of mine saying that I would leave after five years I couldn't I couldn't stay uh, much longer than that and I think that's what sort of like gave me a nice sort of deadline I mean no one was really holding me to it but it was something that I could focus on and then thankfully it did sort of happen for me in that fifth year there's a creativity and a discipline there that you gave yourself whereby setting yourself a bit of a a, it wasn't like a kind of oh my goodness I've got to get out I'm going to quit my job tomorrow um and lots of people do that and that's Mm. great that's another way to do it to just pull the rug out and jump but you spent time inhabiting that world a little bit in in all the hours that of your day that weren't nine to five yeah yeah that is pretty much what I did because I am not someone who does that I love (laughs) certainty (laughs) so in order for me to be confident in myself and putting myself into that room I guess I wanted to know that I at least appreciated what it would be like working in theatre or what we would be like working on a film set and actually understanding the terminology and the sort of working hours or the expectations one might have thankfully I didn't really have that many things that um I was committed to in a way that would prevent me from making that jump So I was like, this is a nice moment to make sure that I have no regrets because there's no point me being 40 and being really annoyed and I've wasted even more time than I had already. But I mean, okay, that's not right because the time I had, it wasn't a waste. I experienced it and I tried it out and I knew for certain that it wasn't something I wanted to pursue in that particular way. I mean, I could write an amazing play about a chemical engineer. That's cool. Mm. That will will be cool. I will make it cool. (laughs) I'm sure you would. When you were in that three-year period of moonlighting in the in in the creative world, it sounds like both environments were ones that you were quite happy in. But you know, what was the difference? I suppose where I'd worked as an engineer, things were sort of I don't, I don't want to say rigid. There might be a different word for it, but it did feel like that. It felt quite repetitive. But within the arts, I think things for me anyway, there was a freedom in that. My world was just bigger every time I was doing something. I was learning more. I was feeding that need that I had. Yeah, people were just so generous with their time. I think that's one thing I truly appreciate at that time. It was a Q&A with a film director and we ended up having drinks with her afterwards. And after that, we just swapped numbers and we're like, oh, we'll keep in touch. And then a year later, she got back in touch with me saying that she was um, going to be making a film and she remembered that I was interested in that. And she was like, do you want to be a runner? And I was like... (laughs) cool yeah that's that thing ticked off because for me it's not like I wanted to be on the film set of a Marvel film I just wanted to be on a film set and I think 
it was making those connections that just really, I was just like, okay, things can be happening at any time. Things can be really, really flexible and not necessarily linear. And I quite enjoyed that aspect of it. Okay, so you were already pretty qualified. You'd done five years in a very, you know, kind of prestigious graduate job. And then you pivoted over to being an assistant Mm. in an arts role. So what was that like? Initially, it was... (laughs) Not that it was hard because I'd made the decision. I knew I wanted to to leave the sort of like science engineering world. I was just like, okay, we're starting from the bottom. We're going to fully understand what it takes to market a show. I'll be in touch with everybody because that's what in my head I was just like, well, an assistant's going to be doing most things. Mm. Um, and I was like, this is going to be quite varied. It's going to be different. Who knows what I'll be, I might be serving tea to, I don't know, some hotshot director. I've absolutely no idea. I was just like, I'm just this is my window in and I was going to take that jump and I don't regret it. It was fun. (laughs) Definitely. And it would have given you all the exposure because you're the first port of call. So why marketing and why that particular role? It came to me quite late, but I always (laughs) got really annoyed whenever I'd come across a TV show that I fell in love with and then it got cancelled because ratings and I'm like I never heard about it you didn't tell me (laughs) so (laughs) this is really annoying and I've like you know I'm really attached to these characters and now they're gone because you said I wasn't watching it but I didn't hear about it I was just like how how do how does one amplify these things like how do you tell people about them what are the various channels and I think it was that alongside the fact that I was reviewing theatre shows um that I was just like, okay, the whole purpose is to tell people about these things I'm falling in love with. Um, how can I do that on a bigger scale? And I knew that whilst I was blogging, in order for me to try and grow my readership, I had to be putting myself out there. And that was, I was just like, oh, I'm not quite sure about that. But working for a company and putting them out there, that's absolutely different. That's that's a great field to sort of like play in because little old me doesn't need, doesn't need the exposure, but the work does. I'd started reviewing the film Q&As and stuff that the Corner House was doing in Manchester. And when the Corner House merged with the Manchester Library Theatre to become home, they'd also got this uh, sort of like theatre arm to it. Because I was reviewing for the Corner House for a time, my name got passed on to their comms team. And so they invited me to come and review their theatre shows and I was just like, oh, I don't know about that because the last time I saw a theatre show was probably when I was like, eight and it was you know bed knobs and broomsticks and then prior to that it was the singing castle um so my sort of like knowledge of it isn't that extensive and I felt really cautious about it and I was also quite hesitant because I was like I can't afford it like theatre to me just seems really really expensive they're like no they're trying to make it more accessible that I should just come along and see what it's like and because they hadn't actually opened yet they were doing three site-specific productions to warm up to their opening and the one I went to go and see was Romeo and Juliet at uh, the Victoria Baths in Manchester just like an old timey swimming pool. And I was just like, you can do theatre in a swimming pool? What is this? <laughs> and that just blew my mind because I was like, I didn't know it wasn't something that I was aware of. And it, I was just like, wow, okay, this has really changed my idea of what theatre can be. And that is sort of like how I continued to review theatre. Was there anyone who inspired you either while growing up or when you were thinking about making that career change? I don't know. My timeline is so all over the place that really it was like my friends and my family 
that convinced me to do it. Like my brother and my sister were just like, no, you've worked as an engineer for so long. I think it's time for you to try and do something that you're interested in. And there was like my best friend, Rachel, who was just like, I'm giving you five years. And then you've got, you've just got to make that, that jump. But externally, I guess it was just seeing people in the films, TV shows, theatre shows that I was getting to know and also reviewing the theatre shows and interviewing playwrights and directors that I was just like, people are doing it and I can see it now. It's not some abstract thing. That is sort of like what spurred me on. So how do you define your job as you do it now? I'm a communications and creative media partner at the Royal Exchange Theatre and I guess my role involves still supporting the marketing and communication activities. So part of it is, you know, looking into the tone of voice of the exchange. It's writing, reviewing copy. It's supporting any sort of like press campaigns. It might be also leading on my own press campaigns as well for shows. So that involves, you know, reaching out to journalists, writing press releases, but also I manage the social media accounts, our editorial calendar, but basically just everything that's raised to comms, both internal and external, I do have like a hand in it. What does a typical day look like for you? A typical day would involve me probably looking um, at the looking at our social media accounts um, and just checking for any messages, um, looking at our calendar, seeing what uh, we've got coming up, scheduling anything, um, checking in with the rest of the marketing team to see where we are on various campaigns for various shows that we might be working on or various projects and events. What are the best parts about it? When What are the, what are the bits that you really enjoy? Now it's probably reading scripts before anyone else well, the public gets to because before I'm, I'm someone who I don't like spoilers um, and so that really, was really hard working in the marketing department because I was just like I really don't want to know what happens at the end I want to be with the audience <laughs> and get to know what this show is about but no now I love reading the scripts I love chatting about it with the rest of the team I love hearing about what our artistic directors have in store for the rest of the year and then talking to uh, the various creatives that are on board, so the directors, um, and if they are living, the playwrights, um, and hearing again what they envisage. Going through a sort of Scott, so looking at the strengths of the show, looking at the, what the challenges might be, looking at where the opportunities are, and then the threats that might be involved. And that is what I enjoy. It's that whole process of getting that story, getting details of it, and then playing with that information because at that point we still haven't seen the show and we're just like okay you just need to keep on telling us what you what you think it's going to be about and then I let my imagination run wild as well and I'm just like okay great that's it's fine it's still not I've still not got any spoilers really because I haven't seen it yet so at least that is going to (laughs) wow me (laughs) yeah but it's still you're having to sell something when you've not seen it at all and you're just relying on what the creatives have relayed to you or what you've read, Mm -hmm. um, but you still don't know what it's going to be like for an audience member sitting there. Yeah. Some would say that this is the perfect job for somebody who wants to use maths and English because you're in your campaign planning. There's also a lot of data analysis and thinking about who's the audience, what audiences have come to shows like this in the past. Can we predict how many people are going to come? Tell us a little bit about that. It is that. So basically, I guess for me, marketing is about you've got your message and how you're going to share that right so it's identifying 
what you think the show is about, who you think the target audience is, both as a team, but also from the creative team's point of view as well, knowing who they're trying to speak to. And then it's trying to fully understand what that target audience like, where they are, trying to figure out how you can engage with them, identifying all your various channels. So that could be, you know, print. So you might be sending them um, your brochure with all that information in. It could be, you know, social media, which we all love. Advertising on social media as well as another thing. Understanding all of that, but then also trying to follow the journey, not just from the person physically coming through to your building, but also what their journey is like online. And then gathering all that information to inform what you do next, either with this same show or something else completely. But yes, I think it is a definitely a good place for someone who is interested in maths and English. What do you think you have to be good at to be able to do do a marketing role? And, you know, what are the kind of skills you've got to pull out of the bag every day? Essentially, you have to be curious about people. That is that is just it. Curious enough to always want to understand what is relevant to them, the people that you're trying to communicate with, and then also how best to get that information to them. So in terms of like skills, it is communication and understanding people. It's analytical skills as well, could tie into sort of like your data analysis aspects of marketing. But yeah, I think at the core of it, it is just being curious about people and knowing that you don't necessarily have to rely just solely on like stats that you're getting either from your box office, seeing how people buy tickets, but it's also actually speaking to people as well. Like that is a huge part of it. And so depending on what the sort of organisation that you're working in or the environment that you that you find yourself in, speaking directly to people is always like yeah. the best way. So it's a combination of looking at analysing the data, but then making it come alive and going and having conversations with either the people who've helped to pull that together or um, all the audiences themselves. How strategic do you think you can be in this area? You can be quite strategic about it in terms of pulling on past data. I guess for me, who I'm working in a theatre that's been there for quite some time. So we do have um, information on ticket bookers who might have come to see a similar show that we might want to market. And so you can understand sort of like people's behaviours in terms of that. There's sort of key things that you should be doing. So it's, you know, you're writing your press release and you're sending that out to relevant journalists who might be interested in that particular themes. It's, are you going to do posters? Yes, you're going to do posters. Yes, you're going to um, have brochures. Yes, you're going to do social media. And you can sort of like try and plan that out and see where it sort of all falls in terms of like timelines. And then it's sort of trying to see how that's going to sit on your website. So I think you can be strategic, but you should also allow room for flexibility within that because you never know what you're going to learn be it you know something could happen in this script development stage that it might have changed from what you'd originally read and that thing could then spark a different idea as to some content that you could be creating down the line how creative do you think you can be what lengths have you gone to for marketing purposes (laughs) (laughs) um is there a story you can tell i run a creative agency um that's community-led with my brother my sister called vague now part of that involves either creating our own stuff. My brother is a photographer. My sister's very much into fashion. So the productions tend to be sort of like fashion related. A couple of years ago, I got the opportunity to work on the regional marketing campaign for Queen and Slim. It's a film. 
that was directed by Melina Matsukis, starred Daniel Kaluuya and Jodie Smith. It's a film that is about two people falling in love and the sort of the chaos that ensues when they come across a police officer. So you were on the regional marketing team? I was on the regional marketing team for that. And it was so good because I was like, okay, finally, again, a film. <laughs> but I didn't necessarily have an organisation really to fall back on. It was me and two other people. And we're trying to think about, okay, so how would we get this story out there? We're thinking about workshops, competitions, flyering, putting stuff up on social media. But then again, like, trying to figure out who we could network to also help spread that word. How vague came into it was I was like, okay, what could we do that is creative that could get the young people involved in this particular film? There was an element of them wanting to commemorate where they were. So I was like, okay, wouldn't it be great if we could do like a photo competition and try and get people to figure out who the queen to their slim would be and then take a picture of where they are. And so I think it was the, I can't even remember what it was called, either like the You Were Here campaign. And so I got vague to sort of do like a trailer. It was great. And then we sort of shared that and people got involved in the competition. And I was like, oh my God, this is great. I mean, it's not necessarily anything novel, but it was something that really took the young community to make. And I think I quite enjoyed that because it, it involved talking to people in person as well as online. Could you describe the Royal Exchange for somebody who's never been there? So the Royal Exchange Theatre, my goodness, it is, it blows my mind every single time. So basically outside, it kind of looks like a bank, but inside it's, you've got a spaceship. It's a theatre that's in the round. So you've got the stage that's in the centre and everyone else is just sat around it. It is a very sort of like intimate space, very grand, but you could also be very, very vulnerable in there. That sort of like... The great thing about it, it pulls people together in that sort of like intimate environment um, and fosters conversations both in the theatre and outside of it. It's not necessarily just solely about the shows. I mean, most theatres as well, you've got your creative learning and engagement aspects. So we've got our young company and the elders company, and it's sort of like getting to see what they're cooking up as well, ensuring that all that creative energy within the city is being fostered. That is sort of like what the exchange is to me personally. My favourite show, Guys and Dolls, I saw that multiple times and that was a co-production with Tower Theatre and it was just, it was great, it was fantastic, the music, the energy, the costumes, how the stage was rotating, I think I quite enjoyed like the movement um, within it and then also in um, what was our studio space, there was um, a theatre show called Mountains and that was very sort of like intimate but involved the characters cooking on stage and I was like for the first time I was like finally someone has used the sense of smell yeah <laughs> in this live space and I'm just like come on but it was great because I was like there instead of because I was meant to be reviewing it and I was there just like trying to take down the recipe I was like oh my god this just smells <laughs> amazing <laughs> for me like those are two shows that come to mind that I, I really genuinely enjoyed <laughs> You're so passionate about where you work. What is it that's so special about theatre specifically for you? What I loved, or love, about theatre is the fact that it's right there. 
in the city, it is so accessible. Because like for me, working in film, that's not to say that people shouldn't work in film or anything like that. But I guess for me, it was like, it was so out of the way. I have absolutely no idea where a film set might be. I can't just rock up and be like, hey, BAFTA, get me a meeting with XYZ. Or, you know, go up to Penguin and just, you know, try and figure out what's happening in there. But you can walk into a theatre and you can see the shows. You can ask questions. If you've seen something and you're just like, oh, who designed that? You can ask someone and they'll be able to give you that information. And if you're lucky enough, you know, there might be a Q&A session that they will have and you can actually ask your question directly. And I think that's what I love about it. It's just right close to you. And the door is open. Exactly. Always. Apart from after 11pm. (laughs) In the role you're doing at the moment, do you have to wear many hats or, or how has that changed to what you've been doing in the past? In terms of like, yes, I can slide between sort of like the marketing aspects to comms as well. Yeah. It very much is that sort of like digital marketing. So looking at social media, sort of trying to build that campaign with the rest of the team. I think that's the one thing that I quite like is that everyone is sort of involved. My role sits at the moment. It's very much like a sliding scale that incorporates a bit of marketing, a bit of like paid advertising, a bit of internal, external comms. So you're talking to a lot of people. And as you said earlier, it's like, it's all about being curious. Yeah, genuinely. I think that's one thing that I really miss from my days as a marketing and comms assistant. It's like putting up the posters and like stacking racks in the theatre, because that would involve me going out into like the Great Hall. And you come across so many different people and it could be people asking, you know, where's the toilet? Or I'm not quite sure about this show. Or what do you suggest? Or is there a place that I could, you know, maybe learn how to write here? Yeah, you're just with people. I, that's, what, it's just, that's what I love about it. It's just chatting to people. Even though I do genuinely believe I struggle with communications, which I'm just like, this is not the role for that. <laughs> really? In what way do you think you struggle? For me, I feel like I always trip up um, on words and things just don't flow properly, which is why I feel very comfortable writing things. But in terms of actually speaking to people, sometimes I just feel like, oh, I could do better or I could be clearer here. The way that I go about it when I try to, again, kick out the imposter syndrome is to just believe that my questions or me engaging with this person is coming from a genuine place and just going with that and hoping to God that they understand what I'm trying to say. (laughs) If you're looking at a lot of applications that might be coming into a, say, more junior role in the team that you work in, what are you looking for? For me, I guess it's like, what are you doing outside of what you're doing now? How interested in marketing are you? What is it that you're trying to do to support that passion of yours? You studying marketing or you studying a different particular strand, they're both great, but it's like, how are you applying that? For me, that is sort of like what really drives it home. But it it can literally just be, you've got your own blog and you're just doing things on your side and like only two people follow you. That doesn't really matter to me. For me, it's just like, how are you applying what it is that you're saying that you're going to do for us if you were to join your team? I genuinely want to hear your voice, I think, for me. That's sort of like what I'm looking for, that authenticity in your own way. Are there any marketing TED Talks or podcasts or anything Mm. you've listened to that you found inspiring? Ooh, okay, so I... Recommendations time now. I mean, my mecca in terms of marketing is actually a person. So her name is Bozoma St. John. 
CMO at Netflix. She is, I just love her energy in terms of like how she talks about her journey in terms of marketing. Then also in terms of like actual details, subscribing to The Drum. They send out really cool sort of like collated articles that they've written based off of various ad campaigns that people have done. Campaign is another place that you can sort of subscribe to. But I get most of my stuff from social media. Like there's a social strategist, I think she calls herself, called Skylar Marche. She has like a um, newsletter series that she shares various ideas on how to really try and get your word out there. But then I also just look at Netflix. I just look at other people and what they're doing. How the thing that I love the most, how did I hear about it? That's how I try and track what's going on. And then in terms of like what's going on specifically in marketing that could help me within the arts, the AMA, which is the Arts Marketing Association that sort of like supports uh, marketers that work in the arts. They have various webinars and conferences that you can attend. Also try and make sure that you're keeping up to date with what's happening marketing wise. And then there's also the Digital Culture Network, which is an amazing sort of like organization that just puts out information on like how to understand, you know, Twitter or make the best use of Twitter, Facebook. What does Google Analytics mean? Oh, speaking about Google, Google Digital Garage. I mean, go through, if it's not marketing, it might just be digital marketing, but that's still part of marketing. It's free as well really breaks it down into really lovely, easy to digest chunks of information and walks you through the entire process of even if you're just like a solo person trying to make your own business come alive, it supports you. What a great list of recommendations from Mo. Yeah, yeah. And it's not a surprise that somebody who really charted their pivot into the arts and specifically in marketing and communications in the arts has a really clear set of recommendations on where you can go to learn. Exactly. Well, she needed them. I've pivoted into the industry. More than once. More than once. (laughs) In and out of the industry, more than once in a lot of different ways. And I think her approach, being really methodical, building her knowledge base, her network, but also starting at an entry-level position so that she could get a lay of for the land, do all sorts of things was really clever. Yeah, it's down to the individual, right? So for some people, that approach wouldn't feel, that wouldn't be right. And Mo says she was in a privileged position, right? She didn't have have responsibilities that she had to to maintain while she was trying to do that. So that, that it's a specific way. Yeah, I think hearing about how she planned for that was really inspiring, actually. Because I think sometimes when we want to make a big leap or a big sort of decision, you know, either we end up talking to everybody about it all the time and never actually do anything, or we don't speak to anyone and then maybe one day we just quit and oh my goodness, it's all gone up in flames. <laughs> and sometimes it doesn't go up in flames. I am, I'm still standing here having done it that way. So. Yeah. I also think something that came to mind is when I was transitioning into the industry, I didn't really understand the positions. So she started as what she describes as an administrator. And, you know, that administrator or coordinator role is an entry level position in a lot of organizations in the UK. 
And then it goes up to the manager level and then it goes up to the head of level and then it goes up to director level. And that, that sort of ladder, if mm. you will, is very common. So for people who are looking for these entry level positions, administrator or coordinator, the way that Mo did it is a very good place to start. And the thing is, though, in a lot of organizations, you get a lot of exposure at that level to a lot of different things. And as she said, you know, you meet people from all over the building. You can usually take on a bit of extra responsibility or work on projects that you might interest you if you show willing and if you build your relationships quickly. Yeah, it's a wonderful way to get that breadth early on. What I love is that she never really talked about like ticket sales. No. She works in the theater and they need to sell tickets. What she talked about a lot was I have to I have to be curious about other people, what makes them tick, and I have to be able to communicate to them why they should care about this thing and get them to do something about that caring, mm. right? That might be buy a ticket. That might be become a subscriber to our YouTube channel. That might be recommend this to a friend. Mm. And that that's at the heart of communications and marketing. Yeah. All the rest of it is just enabling that. And it needs to try not to be too salesy. You know, it's the authenticity has to be there. Well, we live in a capitalist world and I could tell you when I'm being sold. <laughs> right. And like Mo is a classic example. When she talked about the Royal Exchange Theater, I got goosebumps because I didn't feel like she was selling me a theater. She was sharing her love of that theater with me. And I was therefore more likely to fall in love with it. And that's who you need in marketing and communications roles. Yeah. And I think she's also just an example of if there's something you really love doing and have always done a little bit of on the side, or even if you haven't, you can do that. You can nurture that side of yourself and who knows where it will take you. You don't have to quit your job, but maybe you will in a few years time. I love that she came to theater later in her life and in her career. And that's now the core of her job. Yeah. And so many people think you have to grow up going to museums or always have loved the theater to be able to work in these fields. And that is not true. And not Mo true. is a great example of that. So come join us. I also really found it marvelous that the way she came into marketing was the fact that she fell in love with television series and then was angry when they were canceled because nobody bothered to tell her about them earlier. And I, I, I love this idea that like, I'm going to be a marketer. So you or I or nobody else ever misses something fantastic because I'm going to tell you about it and I'm going to tell you why you're going to love it. So I'd like to thank Mo for coming down and having such a wonderful conversation with me. You know, it's great to hear about her experience in marketing and communications. And if you want to find the resources she mentioned, they are in the show notes. Arts Work is brought to you by Sadler's Wells in association with Barclays Dance Pass. Your hosts are Angra Bahel and Phoebe Reith. The producer is Hester Camp, and the series is mixed by Paul Brogdon. So if you know anyone who wants to work in communications or marketing, or even if they're a great storyteller or a fantastic writer, please send it to them. I think also if they like Sister Sister, they will enjoy this episode. If you could leave us a review, that would be amazing. It helps other people find it. It would mean so much to us as well. We would also love to hear what you think and be in conversation with you. So tweet us at Sadler's Wells and share your thoughts. Join us next time. <laughs>